Welcome aboard, my fantasy shipmates. This is Robert Gonzalez, your fantasy captain, back with Nick Idlebach, your pickle bet low baller. Um, in all honesty, he's actually your pickle bet champion because he took me to the house last week uh, going 3-0, and and the bets weren't even close. Weren't even close. So for all that criticism out there for low balling the bets, <laughs> it wasn't going to save him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we took it to the extreme real quick, going from kimchi and pickles last week. I now have to have pickled herring, which is fish, uh, pickled eggs, and pickled ginger. It's a delicious plate I'm staring at right now, and I am absolutely terrified. Um, the smell in here is not great. To ease his confidence levels, as we bought the pickled eggs, the guy at the counter literally told us how difficult they are to eat. Yeah, he said that's, I heard that's like one of the hardest things to get down, and I was like, are you kidding? And I felt my heart start to beat like 10 beats faster for sure. Um, well, this isn't going to be fun, but, uh, to get into it, guys, I'm excited to make this content for you. I hope you're enjoying it, but I'm absolutely getting slaughtered in these pickle bets. So for future reference, if anyone's taking pickle bets with their friends or any kind of bet, take the opposite of what I do, and then you can torture your friends like Nick and Mario have tortured me. Let's crack right into it. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to go for it. I think my strategy so far, I think I'm looking at the, the pickled egg, kind of cleanse that palate with the pickled ginger. And then top it off with that pickled herring fish looking sardine. Do me a favor, Nick. Can you describe what my face is going through? Because I'm going to be struggling to talk and eat at the same time. Prior to recording, I had to give him CPR for 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> I brought a trash can into the room just in case I need to vomit. I think I'm going to do the fish first, actually. I'm gonna I would do the fish it. first. Yeah, herring first. All right. Three, two, one. Jumping into the herring. It's actually delicious. <laughs> I His am face completely so changed. pleased. It's got this hint of cinnamon to it. Bizarre. And it just, it tastes like chewy meat. At the end, you get that fish kick, which is a little disturbing. But prior to that fish taste, it's really good. And I work at Lore, so I will say I am a little bit used to fish. This, I thought this would be a lot harder. I'm really pleased. That's incredible. I've always heard British food is just the most disgusting stuff on earth. It sounds bad. It looks bad. It smells bad. It's almost like a Christmas dish because, like I said, it's really strong cinnamon. The juice is, like, dark. We had two options. We could get this one or a white sauce. I'm a little bit nervous for the white sauce, so I'm glad you grabbed this one. This one's pretty dank. White looked weird. Ugh. I think I'm, I'm going to jump right into the egg then. Whew. No, I'm going to do a little ginger for it. I got, I got to uh, cleanse that palate. We're going straight to the ginger next. The ginger is a sour. It's sour ginger. It's a little spicy. It's strong. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little bit spicy. Um, it's cut up red, bright pink. Nick grabbed it because he said it was the craziest looking thing on the shelf, craziest looking Asian dish on the shelf. He wanted to. Yeah. Get, he you need that real cultural experience. Uh huh. Right, I'm gonna wash this down a little sake. Get right into the culture. Uh, I'm so nervous. I'm just staring this egg down. All right. Last but not least, I think I'm gonna go half. Nah, I'd go whole. I can't. This thing's massive, bro. I can't get this. <laughs> it's a standard egg. I know. <laughs> you eat eggs whole? <laughs> what is wrong eat. with you, you animal? <laughs> okay. I don't even break the shell. I just swallow them. <laughs> Dude, that guy at the register was a dick. Cause it's delicious. It's just egg. It doesn't taste any different. It's a little, like, firmer because of the pickleness to it. 
And again, I wouldn't suggest this. It's not bad. It, not great, but it's not bad. It was just like vinegary eggs, essentially. It's like putting balsamic on your egg. Oh, I'm actually disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was supposed to be Terry. Uh, turns out pickled shit's not that hard to eat. I'm ready. Let's go. I lose all year. Keep them coming. See, you know, I had an alternative bet that this is supposed to follow a pirate theme. Pirates used to eat leather to prevent scurvy. I thought we should have just had strips of leather that we just had to chew on for the whole podcast. I used to work for Cutco, and you'd, like, cut up pieces of leather. So I got I got plenty in the back with my knife set. Hey, there we go. It's like our demo. We'll never be vitamin C deficient. So for the podcast, I'm not going to lie, putting down this egg might take a little long. You want me to keep going? Uh, or halfway suffice enough? If you enjoy it, no, you can stop. If you <laughs> If it's painful, yes, keep going. I'll do one more. I'll do one more bite. Not bad. Not bad. I think the hardest thing, this is the hardest thing so far, the the pickled egg, for sure, out of everything we've done. But I've had worse. I feel like drinking the juice would really add to it. That would really Hey, good point. It. We can, We can actually jump to that. <laughs> oh, God. All right, guys. So that was three. This room's forever going to stink. They'll, <laughs> they'll never get this smell out. But... We got all three pickle products, and I'm not even terrified anymore. I'm ready to lose some more bets so we can keep this going. I'm going to keep chewing on this, but now that that's over with, I wanted to ask Nick, how you doing in your league? What'd you, how did things go this week for you? Uh, surprise, surprise. I actually texted you. I benched Eckler for Beasley. Now, Beasley's matchup seemed way good, and I'm in PPR league, and he generally receives a lot of targets. Not always catches, but targets. And Eckler was against Tennessee, who usually has a pretty stout defense. So I look like an idiot. Beasley didn't underperform, but Eckler blew up. You know, he he basically had a touchdown at the end of the game. They ended up losing with Gordon coughing it up. But outside of that, I mean, I still crushed my opponent. Uh, I have the Pats defense, which is by and far the MVP outside of Christian McCaffrey. It's the, Their schedule is easy. They're just ungodly on the field. And, uh, you know, I'll share a little fact since I'm a Pats fan. But they have now outscored their opponents by 175 points yeah. in seven games. They've played no one. They've played no one, <laughs> you know, outside of the Steelers, which apparently is actually no one. But uh, that's just, it's unbelievable. In fantasy, uh, I drafted them early enough, you know, outside of what most people consider based off their schedule. And it is just paying dividends. 100%. Uh, the one thing I, I'm excited for, I was telling Nick, just kind of looking ahead on the schedule, uh, Baltimore actually gets a bye, and then they come back and play New England. So that's going to be New England's first test. And I think that comes up in two weeks. So that one will be the most exciting thing. I still think they'll find a way to contain Lamar, and that's kind of one thing we've talked about is just how insane Lamar Jackson's been as of late. He's incredible. But uh, the Patriots are not Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll had the audacity to come out and say, He's a little faster than we thought he was. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's alone. He, he, I, I, we, me and Nick keep going back and forth. How does he keep in doing these incredible things? And I just, I don't think the league's seen anything like him before. And so they're still trying to figure it out. They had that one surprise with the Chargers in the playoffs last year, where they put like nothing but DBs on the field to keep up with his speed. But I, I just think Lamar's advanced as a passer. It's going to be harder to keep doing that to him. I mean, yeah, but his wheels is really the dangerous part. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so 
luckily that's that's one floor you got going for you. In my league, I would say I got another win as well, so that was great to get kind of right back on that horse. I'm now 6-1. and one. Nick remains undefeated, and he's got the funness of taking on the other undefeated team. So he's going to have a challenge this week, maybe. We'll see how that goes. We'll see. You know, Zeke is on a bye. McCaffrey faces a good defense. The Niners, the shutdown Niners. Good luck. And then for me, luckily I don't have too hard of a matchup, uh, or opponent, I should say, so I should be doing okay. But as we both won our weeks, one thing I did want to kind of shout out is some of the calls that we got right and some of the calls that we got wrong. So one thing I want to highlight is this is scoring and scheduling. It comes from regular Yahoo PPR 10 to 12 team leagues. And so we're just going to kind of give you that full transparency essentially. And I think we're going to do that in a segment that we like to call the Royal Navy perfect shot and our Titanic shipwrecks of the week. So some of the perfect shots that I wanted to toot our horns at, uh, I was really proud of us for getting Marvin Jones, Chase Edmonds, and Gerald Everett. Don't get me wrong, uh, nobody saw, we didn't see those amazing three touchdown days coming out of Marvin Jones or Chase Edmonds, but we did tell you that Jones has has burned uh, Xavier Rhodes in the past, and regardless of that coverage, being the secondary wide receiver against the Vikings, that he actually had a shot to kind of go off and Galladay had had the possibility of kind of being shut down. And that's exactly what happened, which we, we said keep a crow's nest eye on that guy and mop the poop deck with the other, and that worked perfectly. And the same thing happened with Edmonds. We, we also said crow's nest eye for him. He's been performing the last two weeks alongside David Johnson. So I know there was a, some huge like Twitter outrage, essentially, for Cliff Kingsbury not saying that he wasn't going to start. And obviously, if he... if David Johnson wasn't starting, then everybody knows to put in Edmonds. But even without that, Edmonds still was a flex play that you should have kept an eye on. I know one of our co-hosts, Mario, was kind of kicking himself because he dropped him. And I had been telling him, like, yeah, this is his last week. So I hope you enjoyed that production because he got the Giants this last week. But coming forward, he's going to have New Orleans, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco again. So, like, these are all the six hardest run defenses against running backs. So look out because David Johnson's injury, it might be more serious than we thought. So he is going to get a lot more run. But against those defensive opponents, that is absolutely terrifying. And I don't know if I can continue to trust Edmonds beyond that week. No, he just had an unbelievable breakout. I mean, he essentially destroyed Kyler's chance of having a good game. But the run play was working. And at the end of the day, we're watching the NFL and we're playing fantasy. They don't give a shit about us, you know? They really don't. If the running back is killing it, well, they're going to keep pounding the ball. Yeah. If a wide receiver is hot and the cornerback doesn't know how to guard him, a smart quarterback should keep throwing the ball in that direction. I don't think their productivity it will ever be like this, but he was a decent handicap, and this kind of showed the potential the guy has. Because yeah, he, he looked great. Yeah, he's doing great as in the secondary role, running back-wise, and... Thank God that I didn't need Kyler Murray this week. I had him in as my starting quarterback, just excited for the matchup. And it, w- it was a weird week for most teams across the league. It was a really low-scoring week. I-, I had an ugly win. I think I beat my opponent by 20 points or so, but they didn't even reach 80 points. So I was I was grateful. I didn't need huge numbers. I, I barely clips 100 myself. So it was it was a definitely an interesting week. And that being said, it's you need to learn to keep moving on from from the people you have. Just because they had a good week one week, you got to prepare to move on to the next thing. 
Um, Kyler Murray has been someone I've been super excited for the last three weeks, and that's why we were saying Chase Edmonds has that possibility too. But I'm moving on this week. I'm actually dropping Kyler Murray in my league, and I'm looking for a quarterback because I need to play someone this week. And against New Orleans, the way that defense has been running, I am terrified to play them. So I don't, I don't think that's something I can trust going forward. And like we said, we got San Francisco, New Orleans, and then San Francisco again. Those are hard matchups for both the running back and the quarterback. So I think Arizona is kind of a team you can slowly start to fade right before their bye. And at the same time, you know, Every league is going to have a few uninformed people. You can always try and ride the wave and turn these falling players into potential trade value. Because a lot of people are always trying to chase the dragon. You know, hey, this guy had one great start. You know, he had three touchdowns, and they expect that same productivity. Yeah. I I think he, like we said, he's getting more opportunity. So if you do need just a starting running back, that's going to be helpful. But those defensive matchups are going to be super tough. Then the last one I wanted to kind of toot our horn at was uh, Everett. We did call that one going into that game. Uh, one thing I, I know I, I liked from Everett was the rationale kind of behind it was he received eight targets or more two weeks in a row, and then he faced the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously he didn't have a good game facing the Niners. But that's kind of masking your potential because the Niners are one of those elite defenses right now. And so I, I was kind of curious to see what the Rams' utilization would be not facing an elite defense. And obviously, he ended up scoring a touchdown this week, and that's what you want from your tight ends. And it looks like he's right back into the swing of things. I don't know, to be honest, if this is what the Rams are going to do moving forward, but I, I do like that with the way that the tight end landscape is. I think Everett's definitely someone potentially that you could have grabbed off the waiver and really helped you in a struggling position, essentially. What about you, Nick? What were some of the calls you got right? I know the pickle bets kind of well, killed the, the me. The pickle bets killed it. I want to just give one shout out to Fitzmagic. Yes, I said it was it was a troll pick. It's something you would only do to flex on your opponent. But the guy was the quarterback eleventh of the week. That's a quarterback one. He outperformed Josh Allen, who's the guy I was playing in basically the best matchup you can get against in Miami. You know, going forward, is he going to have the same productivity? No one knows. He's Fitz Magic. He could tank it. He could throw six interceptions, or he can pull out some amazing plays. It's just, it's beautiful to watch. It's, it's terrifying to watch. It's like being on a roller coaster, but like not seeing around the bend, like oh, not a, knowing yeah, what's gonna come next. Yeah, it's it's for only those ad- adrenaline junkies. I think it's really funny because that kind of plays into some of the people that I was curious about picking up. I know Devontae Parker's had a really good... He's had three weeks in a row with a touchdown. Um, You also have Preston Williams had a good game. And then they got Mark Walton, who's kind of coming up. And if Fitzmagic stays in there and plays like he played, they actually kind of have value. But my biggest fear is, like you said, you never know when that three, four interception game is coming and they just pull the rope out from underneath them. And they're trying to lose. So... I don't know, at one point the coaching staff says, all right, time to put Josh Rosen back in because we're getting too close to winning. I think that's trying to lose, like, this is like some NBA black magic bullshit. You know, <laughs> none of these guys are going out on the field and trying to lose. Like, football is, is too competitive, too violent. The players aren't, but the coaching staff, they yeah. might be. <laughs> okay, okay, that, the, that screen pass that didn't work out, that never works out, that might have been a blown call, purposely trying to lose. Mm-hmm. But the players are trying to win. No that- one wants to be on a team that's, Owen 16. No, not at all. And even my dad's a huge diehard Dolphins fan, and he's saying he wants to get one win on the year. He doesn't want to be 0 16, and then he just hopes other teams get two. 
that biggest competition is Cincinnati. They're keeping up with them with zero wins. It's that's the biggest battle right yeah, now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is sad to say. Um, yeah. So, all right. So let me tell you some of the calls that we got wrong. And I know for me, my Titanic shipwrecks are going to be every single pickle bet I lost to Nick. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong on Darren Waller, Aaron Jones, or Scary Terry McLaurin. They absolutely destroyed me. Uh, for Waller, that target share and athleticism, it was just too real, regardless of the defense. Um, I put a little bit too much faith into Green Bay's defense, thinking that they could shut him down, but I was proven wrong time and time again. He had so many deep catches and touchdowns and everything about He had just an amazing performance, and I don't think I can doubt him again. No, he could have had 10 or 20 more points. Yeah. He literally had a 30-yard touchdown pulled back for some lame call. I'm kind of peeking behind the curtain. Going into our show, we're going to we're gonna do some pickle bets later on, and I, I actually might be facing Waller again one more time, and I am shitting my pants. Luckily, I didn't have to eat as bad of products as I thought, but I'm pretty sure he's going to get me again this week. The other person I would say that absolutely destroyed me was Aaron Jones. Uh, I love the talent of Jones. I, I honestly love the talent of Jones and Waller. I just didn't love their matchups, and I thought that kind of played into it. Jones, for me, he split touches with Jamal Williams last week, kind of got put in the doghouse, essentially, and he, he dropped that touchdown pass, and then this week he comes right back, and he catches an incredible touchdown pass. So he kind of made up for everything, and so he has Aaron Rodgers' trust, the coaching staff's trust, and I still think he's going to split with Jamal Williams, but he's definitely the more talented of the two running backs. So that was something I got super wrong. Wasn't even close. And then the last one was just scary Terry McLaurin. Uh, you heard me trying to kind of take the under, essentially, but then switch last second for the over because I love entertaining you guys. I can't help it. But the rain came in, and a monsoon slid in, essentially, and so did Bosa and that whole Niners defense, and it just led to a terrible recipe of me getting pickled punished. It was going to be cloudy with a chance of pickled products once that monsoon hit, and I had no shot of winning that one. Nick, who are some of the shipwrecks you, you failed on this week? I think these guys were literally the number one and number two quarterbacks of the week. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. It just completely lopsided. Uh, so I was so against Kirk Cousins. He was on fire for two games. And I like Kirk on the Redskins. And I've streamed him multiple times through multiple leagues over the years. He's just so consistently inconsistent. <laughs> it's so hard to trust the guy because... He's a lot like Jameis Winston. There are times where he looks like a, a, an NFL quarterback. He looks like a guy that knows what he's doing. He can lead his team down the field. He makes good throws. He makes hard throws. And there's other games where it's like, this guy couldn't even make it onto a high school team. It's just, what is he doing here? How did he get this contract? How did he get this money? And get him the fuck off the field. <laughs> but this week, he destroyed it. He just absolutely blew me away. Now he's on fire. That's three games in a row. Can you play him in the future? I just I'm so I just don't believe in the Kirk stock. It will always plummet. It just it always happens. What it, what Kirk is to me, it's like it says if we're gonna go back to that stock analogy, it's like penny stocks. Like you get that excitement of woo, we're playing the Giants this week, and he's just like escalating out of nowhere. Detroit seeing that ahead of that week, I did not think he'd have the game he had, and he did. So he proved me wrong. So honestly, this next two weeks, he's got some cushy matchups. I actually think he's going to be someone I might I might ride that penny stock in excitement. I think he's streamable. It's just, it is fantasy with with him and with me. If I play him when I need him, 
<laughs> he's a terrible game. If yeah. I leave him on bench the waiver, he blows up. Like this. You know, I played him, I think, a week or two again, and I dropped him because I'm like, he, he's not going to have three games in a row. He's not that good. Yeah, he's on our waivers too. So I, I think he's definitely available in a lot of leagues for some people. And I think that my next pick probably insulted people. It obviously insulted the man himself because he had you know, a bone to pick with everyone. But that was Aaron Rodgers. For up until this game, I think he was the 14th quarterback of the season, which is it's decent, but that's a QB too. And this is Aaron Rodgers. So a lot of you guys were banking off his name, banking off his past, and we're trying to tell you this is not how you win fantasy. You have to play in the here and the now. Yeah. So he probably listened to this podcast along with the six other audience members, <laughs> heard what I said, and just obliterated. He did what Aaron Rodgers does. He took over a game. And this is when coming into the game, the receiver core was basically all limited or out. Decimated. This was a skeleton crew. Yeah. This was like they were picking up random players and just dropping them in there. And Aaron Rodgers does what he can do. He takes over games. When he wants to win, when the defense is, is fairly lackluster because Darren Waller was popping off, Oakland was driving down the field, he kind of put the team on his back. And, I mean, he threw a touchdown to every single guy. And yeah, a lot of these nuts. dudes were people you never even heard of. You would yeah. never play them. Even if you had a 24-person league, you wouldn't play these guys. Yeah. Jimmy Graham, weird. A lot of people were talking up Lazard, and he actually didn't have as big of a game. But MVS, MVS had two catches for 133 yards on a touchdown. Like, that is absolutely insane efficiency. It is. But it also, I think it plays my favorite because statistically, that should never happen again. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have another game like this this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he'll ever have another game like this in his career that might be like blasphemy but this was the first time a Packers quarterback has ever had a perfect QBR that was insane like 158 the max and he hit it five touchdowns I believe it was four through the air and one on the ground yeah or like it was just insane and what Nick was alluding to he talked about it in the beginning he thought that these were one and two for the week they were actually one and three on the week just wanted to correct that but that's still crazy production we did not see coming from either of these guys there was a lot better matchups to be had and so sometimes it just goes to show you the nfl is just a wacky league and and things can be topsy-turvy and you'll never see it coming it's probability that's all you're trying to do you you're just assessing the situation and at the end of the day these guys are humans the defense is humans a lot anyone can pop off you have no idea yeah and also don't hate aaron Rodgers. he loves his pickle products that's why he listens to this podcast obviously double check pickles (laughs) discount double pickles all day (laughs) so going forward i think what we're going to do is we're kind of going to switch up the format on you guys um i know we've been doing a lot of matchup space and one thing we've struggled with is like the length of time for our podcast so we're going to try to shorten this a little bit for you this week and we're just going to take a bigger picture look and look ahead at the schedules that will be coming up and kind of some moves you can make for several weeks going forward instead of just one week advancing. And at this point, the waiver wires, they're just about dried up. There's, there's really no plethora of riches to gather anymore. This week, you might get a small splash of that fresh seas with players like Ty Johnson, Corey Davis, Kenny Stills, A.J. Brown, Jamal Williams, surprisingly, this week actually has a better selection of players than most weeks in the past. And so I just wanted to highlight some of the injuries that have happened. And Carrion Johnson was one of them. We had Will Fuller get injured. And then we also had, uh, for the Vikings, Adam Thielen get hurt. And that kind of boosted Ty Johnson, Kenny Stills, and Kyle Rudolph's uh, value going forward. These people are going to have more opportunities this week, especially. 
carry on. He's been placed on IR, so he's just about out. His best chance of returning is week 16, so his fantasy season is basically over with. So Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick will kind of split carries moving forward, but that just means the Lions are most likely looking to add another running back to their crew, either through free agency, a veteran signing, or through trade. So look look for that. Some of the teams that I have in mind that have extra running backs would be the Chargers, the Browns, the Dolphins, and Philadelphia. Any one of those extra running backs, you got Melvin Gordon, you got Nick Chubb, uh, Kenyon Drake, and also Jordan Howard. Let's see if they ended up getting moved. We've had a lot of movement from trades so far this season. With Kenny Stills, the outlook for him is Will Fuller's now out, and he's going to miss several weeks with that hamstring. So Kenny Stills is going to be that deep ball threat, and he's going to take over Fuller's spot. And I think that's why Hopkins had a big a game as we had. I know we were kind of talking about Hopkins, and he had wide receiver two numbers coming into this week. I think without Fuller, the ball won't be spread out as much, and he actually has an opportunity to kind of reclaim that wide receiver one value. And that was his issue. He was just losing, not snaps, but he was losing targets. Valuable targets, yeah. yeah agreed. And so he's, he's always going to be a beast out there. It's just they had so much talent. They kind of spread it out a little bit. Now there's one less mouth to feed, essentially. And... Again, with DeAndre Hopkins, part of that issue was Watson was under so much pressure, and Hopkins is kind of like that deep threat guy. If your quarterback has you know three or four seconds to throw the ball, you're generally not going to be throwing it to the deep guy. No. And kind of a tangent on that, but me being a Colts fan, I was so excited for this Colts-Texans matchup going into it, and Hopkins got robbed of a touchdown at one point. There was, there was a play where... Um, Deshaun Watson was scrambling they had him wrapped up and the rest blew the whistle but then he was able to kind of elude it just for a second to throw the ball to the end zone and Hopkins caught that and that was a touchdown and it should have been a touchdown but luckily that early whistle saved us and saved that four points because they had to kick a field goal right it was an unbeatable play it reminded me a lot of that old uh, Steve McNair where he kind of catched himself on one foot Uh, yet again this is another shout out these refs are absolutely morons. I have no <laughs> idea what happens in this league. They always, crucial plays, they always blow it early. Just let them play it out, then review it. Maybe I'm biased, but I I do think that one was a little bit more justified just because it was the quarterback position, and they're always trying to protect the quarterback so much. Deshaun Watson is Michael Jordan out there. He's a freak. He does these crazy things where it looked like there easily could have been three bodies that just collided with him shortly after that, and somehow he got it away before that happened. And so I don't blame the refs. In a normal situation, I think any other quarterback would have just been eaten alive right there. You, you let the dice fall then. You know, yeah. I'm going to tattoo let the boys play on my forehead and go to every game. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for the podcast. <laughs> um, and All right, guys, and the last injury I wanted to highlight was the um, injury to Thielen. He's actually been optimistic that he's going to try to play this Thursday, but it's a short week. So to me, it just doesn't seem likely at the time of this recording. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think that's kind of helped boosted Kyle Rudolph. He kind of came out of nowhere and reexisted this week. So there were some shots that just nobody had this week. And so it was some weird, weird people out there that had prolific weeks. And so moving forward, you can bank on a little bit more of that productivity with injuries. But just be careful on the right injury people. Those were the three that I wanted to highlight the most because I think that provides the most opportunities moving forward. And so that being said, we want to kind of do a little bit bigger picture for you guys. And one thing at this point is there's not too many people to pick up. So I thought it would be a really valuable thing to 
kind of advance yourself in this ship race, essentially, would be to trade for players. And we wanted to trade for players with favorable matchups moving forward. And the wide receiver position tends to be a little bit more prolific, a lot more players to grab from. So I actually wanted to highlight the running back position because that is one of the thinnest positions there is. And it's really smart to look ahead at your running back schedules and see who can be successful moving forward. It's crucial. I feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot, but when you draft, focus on running backs. Yeah. I, everyone was always blown away by like these big wide receiver names. and Oh my God, they get all the glory, they get all the points. Running backs are way too crucial in fantasy. I mean, there's obviously there's more than 20 people, but like I want three running backs in the top 20. Like that helps keep your team so much more afloat because wide receivers you can interchange. But with running backs, you don't have a lot of running backs on your bench that you can just keep coming in and out. There's really only like I think seven or eight dudes who are really just clutch good players. Yeah, and you need to get one of those at least. So some of the running backs I'm tr- I'm looking to basically Captain Hook onto my, my team. For me, they're going to be Le'Veon Bell, Lennon Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman. And in that order of price, what do you think on those people? I would love to get Le'Veon Bell. I love Le'Veon Bell. I wasn't sure how he played in the Jets this year. But his little hop skip, the way he finds holes, like just as an audience member... He's so fluid. He's just he's an unbelievably gifted runner. His matchup is ridiculous. Well, his upcoming matchups are you know Jacksonville's not that bad. Yeah, I just don't phys- I don't think I can get it. Uh, my commissioner personally is a complete idiot. <laughs> he uh, he love you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, he's got such a bias against trades that involve me and running backs. Uh, so he would actively block it. But if I could get Le'Veon Bell, that would be my ultimate target. Yeah, I'm going to kind of give you some full discrepancy here. There's There were some other things I did want to talk about on this podcast, but one thing that's tough is I know my league mates are listening to this, and this hasn't blown up quite yet to other people where it's worth me giving away all my secrets. But this was one, one topic I felt pretty comfortable about because the running backs that I am targeting in my league, I almost have zero shot of getting. There's one guy in our league, Larry, who doesn't really watch football as much as the rest of us. And so he just flat out says no to every trade before it even gets proposed. And kudos to him because he's honestly he's in second place and he is killing it. So he's having a great year. So the strategy obviously works for him. I got another friend, Brandon, who's just as savvy as I am. And he's someone I want to bring onto this podcast because he loves this stuff as much as we do. And the two people on his team, I know he'll net the price I'd have to pay to get them. It just wouldn't be worth it for me. So all these running backs, it just happens to be on teams that I know I have no opportunity. So I was like, let's do a running back target show. Um, You liked Bell so much. We kind of did some of the research. Do you want to read what we had for that? I mean, for the most part, it's just it's his upcoming schedule. So it's the same. This is going to sound really bad if anyone watched Monday Night Football. I like Sam Darnold. I picked up Sam Darnold. I still believe in Sam Darnold. His upcoming matchup for the Jets, for his schedule, is complete. It's so juicy. It's the same thing. Le'Veon Bell actually gets it better because he's facing a lot of really weak anti-running back defenses. The the schedule overall, it's just it's that's that's where I am. You know, I'm undefeated. I'm first in my league. I'm thinking playoffs. (laughs) Practice. Talking about practice, I'm over these regular games. You know, I'm basically guaranteed playoffs. You know, I'm trying to secure a trophy. So I'm looking down the road who has good schedules, who has good schedules in the playoffs, because that's what matters. When it comes down to single game elimination, it doesn't matter if my team's a juggernaut. 
If everyone gets injured, everyone gets hurt, everyone has terrible matchups, you're out. You're gone. Sorry. Sorry not. Yeah. C'est yeah. la vie. It's, it's true that those you literally only need one week to lose and like you said you're out so you you really want to look for those playoff matchups one thing i'd say about bell i think he's about to go on a rampage um he's yet to truly break out just because that offense was so inept with sam darnold being out and bell also had a bye so he's all the way back he barely made the top 18 in running backs and he could be well on his way to being one of the top running backs moving forward. He's the person I'd I'd be most excited to get if I had the opportunity to. His schedule moving forward, out of the next seven games, he faced six of those games, he faces a running back defense that ranks on the top ten easiest against running backs. And that includes a week one playoff matchup against Miami. So just like you're saying, these are absolutely crucial weeks that you gotta have, go and get. Leonard Fournette's one of those other guys I'm I'm really excited about. He, he's probably the highest on total points, so he might be one of the more expensive pieces to get. But ranking in the top seven of running backs at 124 points, he won't be cheap. But his schedule, it's not super easy moving forward, but here's what I like about Fournette. The next two weeks, he does get Jets in Houston and then a bye and then three tough opponents. But he's catching the ball. They The team is committed to him running the ball, and he's finally receiving... He's been so much better than anticipated because he's he's now become a full back. All around, he has both the running and the catching ability, and he's getting so many targets. He's the main cog in that machine for the Jaguars. And you have a you have a rookie quarterback. You generally basically have these guys rely on you know your tight end for easy passes or your running back. So when you have a nice running back who runs with a lot of energy, you know he's all. It always seems he's calling out tacklers. And he's lowering his helmet. You know, he he wants to get hit. He wants to hit people. You know, I think he, I was a little worried about him in the beginning of the season because he's had recurring ankle issues. And when you're running back, that's a little scary. It's not arthritis, but it's not, you know, the best thing to, to hear. No. But he made his way through the season so far, and I think he's going to continue to do so. Um, Josh Jacobs was another player that I'd be really excited to get. He hasn't really fully broken out either. He was sick with stomach flu at one point, so he actually had a real-life sickly scurvy flex start at one point. She ate the pickles. Plus, <laughs> plus he had the bye as well. Um, so he actually ranks 15th among running backs right now, and I think it will continue to improve each week. The only tough running back defense Jacobs actually faces moving forward is Tennessee in week 14. So that is so far away. All other games, including playoffs, the defense that he ranks in, they're all in the top 12 easiest and the one game against the Jets in week 12 who rank 16th easiest which is kind of a middle of the pack against running backs so he's going to have another cakewalk of a schedule and these are things you got to look for because they haven't necessarily broken out and maybe other owners aren't aware of what their future schedule will be Lindsay and Freeman they're probably the last people I'm trying to target but they will be easier trade targets which is kind of nice to try and hook you can probably trade something not as huge and pair it with your already superstars. Philip Lindsay, for the most part, he's he ranks the best. He's 13th among uh, running backs, but his split with Freeman is problematic. Both Freeman and Lindsay are trade targets for me because their schedule open up right at the right time. It's not necessarily going to be for the whole duration of what's left of playing, but if you're a team that's already going to make playoff, weeks 13 through 16, they face top 12 easiest defenses against the running backs 
And that's the most important thing for my team. And then weeks 15 and 16, the semifinal and final rounds, they play Kansas City and Detroit, which both are top 10 defenses against running backs. Like Nick was saying, when you need to win every game, having a favorable matchup is absolutely crucial for those weeks. All right, guys, so let's sail into the future on this one. Uh, let's see if we can raise our mass and hit 88 miles per hour on this ship. And Great, we'll Scott. we'll travel back into the future. Our ship, we are, we're already equipped with 1.21 gigawatts. We got a flex capacitor. It's practically steering the ship for us. But when we're into the future, here's what we're going to see, guys. Every Bills player and every Jets player, they have an easy schedule moving forward. These are assets that aren't necessarily big names yet, and you might be able to acquire some of these people even off of waiver wires, which is nuts. And if not, throw a low ball trade, and you might get some of these players as well. Uh, we spoke on it a bit last week, but Josh Allen and John Brown, they both, you saw that production right away. Brown scored a touchdown from Josh Allen, and it's going to continue moving forward. Devin Singletary is the last piece of that Bills offense. And Singletary, he struggled this week, but it was his first game back after being out for four weeks. So I expect him to continue to get better each week, and he's a great bench stash for the ceiling of what he can become. Weeks 9 through 15, he won't have to face a single bottom 12 tough defense against running back. And then for the Jets, you, you love these Jets so much. Tell us some of the people you like out of them. Well, yet again, I'm just going to hit on it. The, the t- I've been streaming quarterbacks all year. And now I'm at the point where I really narrowed down who I could get from the waivers without trading, and especially with Pat Mahomes down, is Josh Allen and Sam I see Ghost Darnold. <laughs> These are just the schedules are fantastic. And it frees up my ability my cap space, you know? Like thinking this like moneyball. I never had to put really a draft pick on these guys. I got to shore up all my other defenses and I now have two streamable quarterbacks who have, you know, the top two easiest matchups coming up. Yeah. It's it's all playoff thinking right now. It might sound crazy, but, I mean, as pitiful as they were against the Patriots, you just got to move forward. Um, in the spirit of Halloween, Sam Darnold, he was seeing ghosts on the football field, and his play was all trick, no treat. But moving forward, we're, we think we're going to get some of that treat from him. If you played Sam Darnold expecting something from the Patriots' defense on Monday Night Football, is is shame on you. I just don't think you expected it to be that bad. Even I'm I'm a little bit nervous of Sam Darnold moving forward. I was a little nervous. His first throw was a really bad pick, but I th- I think a lot of this was mental. You know, I think the ghost thing was mental. He's mic'd up. It's Monday night. Regardless of how you see yourself in football, you're playing against the Patriots. You're playing against Bill Belichick. You know, it is a daunting thing. There, I think there is some kind of mental intimidation factor. And I'm looking past it. I, I picked the guy up last week. I had him on my bench. I never considered him playing against this matchup. You know, this was this was a poor matchup at best. It turned out even worse. Uh, but I have, I have a lot of faith in guy. If the NFL, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have the shit knocked out of you. Everyone gets, you know, somewhat concussed. It's all about the bounce back. How do you come back from it? Yeah. The other two pieces I'd probably be most excited about are Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. Um, Anderson kind of plays your bigger play, deeper threat, and Crowder's going to be more of the underneath PPR slot guy. But week one, Crowder received 17 targets, which was insane. And then Darnold French some people in the Bills Mafia or something like that because he came down with mono and he was out the next four weeks. So that really held back this offense. But now that he's back, his first week back, Crowder received nine targets again. So that target share is awesome. 
And you kind of just got to erase this Patriots game and move forward from that and hope that that target share comes back. And then with Robbie Anderson, he had that big game week six, first week back against Dallas. He had eight targets and he came down with five catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. Weeks eight through 16, both of these guys, there's really only Pittsburgh that scares me. And that's down in week 16. Out of those nine games, Crowder and Anderson, they face six top 10 easiest defenses against the wide receiver. And the seventh game is another easy game against Cincinnati. So they, all those weeks are just going to be easy weeks for them. There is nobody that absolutely scares me on that schedule. Patriots defense shuts down almost everybody, so you just kind of got to ignore it, like you said. The only person I am hesitant with was Darnold. I'm glad we believe in him. I do think he does have an opportunity to bounce back. But if you need room, like I know Darnold, some one person I might be willing to drop to pick up somebody else. That's just kind of how it goes. But you can kind of keep an eye on them from the waivers. Maybe someone isn't eyeballing them as well as you are. And he might be someone you snatch up early as opposed to late. Because weeks 9 through 14, he gets five games. Top eight easiest defenses against quarterbacks. Three others, he has middle of the pack defenses, 8, 12, and 15. So nobody in that lineup really scares you. So that's why he's going to be good going forward if you're struggling at that position. You can have hope and faith, but... You know, if he's sucking, I'm not trying to be Adam Gase's son. It's just uh, you pivot. You get away from it. Yeah. So one example of moving on from that Sam Darnold is, like, I know for me, I need a quarterback this week. And so we're going to kind of give you some of the quarterback streamers that have an option to kind of go off these next few weeks. For me, the best quarterback streamers there are um, on my waiver, we have Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, who actually had a pretty good game. Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be his last game that he's playing for the Saints, essentially, before Drew Brees comes back. Gardner Minshew, and probably at the bottom, I'd say Andy Dalton. You talked about Kirk Cousins and how he just destroyed you. The next two weeks, Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford, they're easily my favorite, too, because they have favorable matchups in week eight and nine. So you kind of get that extra bonus week if you need a pickup for the buys as well, which is really helpful. Tannehill's the only person, he breathed a little (gasps) life into the Tennessee offense. He surpassed 20 points this past week and has an opportunity to do it again against the vulnerable Tampa Bay defense. They rank six easiest against quarterbacks. Bridgewater, he'll likely have his last start, and boy, does he get to go out with a bang. He plays Arizona. Arizona ranks third easiest against quarterbacks, possibly getting Kamara and Jared Cook back for week eight. That's only going to help boost Teddy Bridgewater's receiving options and his ceiling even more. But keep posted to the notes because there has been some discussion that Drew Brees might come back for the Arizona game. And the kind of the concept of that is he's been out for a while. Just this is a juicy matchup. It is an easy matchup to just kind of get some of the rust off, make sure his throwing motion is good, his timing is fine. And it's football. Nothing prepares you for being hit like being hit. So you just have to get out there and take some licks. So be a, you know just be on top of it that you may have to pivot from Bridgewater if the news is good. But yet again, this is the NFL. The Patriots love to do this. They do the decoy. Hey, we're going to play this guy. They have no intention of playing him. They just want the defense to react in a certain way. Yeah, that's the only reason I could see putting Breeze back in. Because everybody else has been saying that too. Like he's getting healthy. But with the bye looming in week nine, it never made sense to me to rush back your franchise quarterback give him the extra two weeks 
it just kind of seems like a no-brainer to me. So I'm almost moving forward with full confidence in Bridgewater, but maybe I'm being naive. I was going to say it's a, it's a, what is it, a slump breaker? Yeah. You yeah. come out, you squash a, a, you know, generally a pitiful team, and you just get got confidence again. You go, hey, oh, yeah, I'm Drew Brees. I'm actually pretty good. You know, this ligament thing isn't going to damage me. I'm going to come back and win games. Yeah, I mean, they know his injury better than me, so they'll they'll be able to tell you better, their staff, but it just wouldn't make sense because the, the risk of re-injury scares I'm, me I know, so I know much. I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to rest him, but, you know, it yeah. is what it is. The NFL is hard to predict. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew, he's kind of your last one. Um, he's got a favorable matchup, week eight and nine as well. He gets the Jets and then the Texans. Gardner, I don't trust as much as the veterans, cousins, and Stafford, just because they've been proving it for way longer. But the Jets in Week Eight, they they rank middle of the pack, and they obviously were destroyed this last week. So their their defense, they played as well as they did their defense. But if their offense is constantly giving the ball away, then Gardner's just gonna get more opportunities to get more points. So he definitely has a decent day possible for and sure. And it's not like he's been playing bad. You know, no. I think Mustache Madness has died down a little bit which it should have because, you know, let's not overhype the guy. Let's let's give him a few years and see what happens. And Nick I hear Foles he's as good as back. Tom Brady. He's a six-round pick. That's what oh, I heard. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> We're so quick to analogies nowadays. I don't know if it's because it's social media, Instagram, but as soon as one person has one breakout game, it's like, wow, this guy's the next, uh, you know. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. And then uh, the last pickup for you guys for quarterbacks would be Andy Dalton. He faces the Rams, and the Rams are actually going to be really tough nowadays. He put up 21 points against Jacksonville, so he was able to perform against a tough defense in a sense. But he looked awful in the fourth quarter. He had three interceptions, and he luckily saved his day with 275 yards, a passing touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. But the Rams now have Ramsey, so that's another thing you're going to have to deal with on the field. This Dalton throwout is kind of just somebody I was mentioning because I know in Nick's league and in Mario's league, there there tend to be a lot of quarterback quarters, so you might be picking from terrible options, and Dalton might end up being one of the one of lesser evils essentially because he might have an awful game the Cincinnati Bengals might be behind in most of the game but he might be yeah they will be they will be but that gives them an opportunity to catch up and so you hope it might not look good on the box score but you hope he does enough for you in fantasy and that's kind of my rationale on that one yeah absolutely yeah that's usually I've I've had to stream him a few times yeah you know they obviously haven't won any games but it's fantasy. If I can squeeze out, you know, the points I need from the quarterback, it doesn't matter what his score is. If they won, loss, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then the last three people I wanted to mention real quick was Cam Newton, Drew Brees, and Kareem Hunt. These guys are coming back from either suspensions or serious injuries. These are people you can maybe start to stash in your league if you desperately need somebody. I looked ahead. I didn't super love Kareem Hunt's schedule. Plus, you don't know what kind of workload he's going to get. So, he does make me a little bit nervous. Uh, Chubb is still performing at a high level, even though the Browns aren't. He's getting 5.3 yards per carry, so he is not the problem with the Browns team. Maybe, maybe Kareem Hunt gets traded, so you might get some benefit out of that, so maybe that's worth a stash. And then Drew Brees, Cam Newton. Drew Brees is a little bit safer because you actually don't know if Cam Newton's ever going to be back on the football field for the Panthers. So I like the Panthers' schedule a lot more, 
especially for playoffs, but you just kind of got to wait and see on those guys. If you want to stash them early, if you got the room, those are three names I just wanted to throw out for some people. I mean, I debated stashing Newton. It's just, it is the issue. We don't know what's wrong with his foot. He is taking this approach where he's being pretty open about it, but he doesn't want to come back until he's full camp, which yep. what we all want. And then even if he does come back, Kyle Allen hasn't been losing. No. So it it is kind of a pickle situation where if you're not Cam... And, I see what you did there. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't run the ball and be the Superman that you used to be, it's kind of uh, you know it's a decision. Should we move on? Do you, you know is there value to you know squeeze out of this guy? One thing I would say is I I know a lot of people are singing the praises of Kyle Allen and he's deserved it because he has won in the matchups that he's needed to win. But these next three weeks, he's gonna have the toughest tests he's ever had. He faces three of the bottom nine toughest defenses against quarterbacks. He's going to get, I believe it's going to be San Francisco, uh, the Titans, um, one more. But either, either way, these are the three hardest tests he's going up against. So that might be the time where this rah-rah Kyle Allen kind of dies down, and it might be the time where Cam transitions back into playing. But you, you just don't know how injured Cam is. That's what you got to look out for. And so for me, I'm not ready to stash him yet either, just kind of from my perspective. But he's someone I want to keep an eye on because quarterback might be a position that I want to I want to definitely seal up going into the playoffs. I mean, Allen could be a legend in the making. Not too long ago, or 100 years ago, a guy named Bledsoe got injured. An unnamed rookie, six-round pick came in. Are, are you saying Kyle Allen's the next Tom Brady? He could be. <laughs> Based off his limited performance, Ed, comparing to a man that's still in the league and still winning, he could be. Yeah. All right, guys. And that's that's going to be it for our show this week. I hope you enjoyed. We're trying to shorten it up for you. So thanks for tuning in for what you did. The last thing I would say, since we didn't do as many matchups for you guys this week, what me and Nick are going to do, we're still going to do a pirate pickle bet, but we're going to do it from our own star players on our own teams. Since I'm 6-1 and one and he's 7-0, and oh, we got some pretty evenly matched teams, so this should be a fun one. So we're going to do our Pirate Pickle Bets. It's going to be on Cooper Cup versus Julian Edelman and Travis Kelsey versus Darren Waller. And, and my favorite, Brita versus Brita. Yeah. We both have them. We can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that was the last option. Brita and Brita. You never know. It could, it could be a toss-up. All right, guys, so that's going to be it for everything. And I swear to God, if Waller makes me eat another pickled herring, which I feel like he will, I am terrified. Kelsey has not been that good this year. But I'm hoping this is the week. Check downs all day, guys. Oh, the pickle's getting eviler. You you liked it. Now I want to try it. Cinnamon fish? Sounds weird. (laughs) Don't worry. If I win, I will make you try. (laughs) We're going to come up with a pickled egg herring sandwich. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed everything. Uh, Come back next week, and we'll keep giving it to you. We'll go over matchups and other things as well. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good day.